Hey guys, welcome back to the Self-Confidence Project. I'm your host, Kimberly Hill, and we're talking about all things life, confidence, relationships, what gets you up in the morning, what doesn't get you up in the morning. That's what we talk about in this podcast. I'm super glad you're here. If you're the first time tuning in, subscribe to my channel, hit the like button, spread the love, and uh, looking forward to getting into another amazing episode with you guys today. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Self-Confidence Project. I'm your host, Kimberly Hill. And before we dive into today's episode, if you've been struggling with dating, getting over a partner, figuring out where to start, then I want to invite you to download my free ebook on dating women with confidence. Okay, in this free guide, you're going to learn simple mistakes that you're probably making in dating that are sabotaging your chances of success and how you can overcome them so you can date with confidence and attract the right kind of partner into your life. So grab that download. The link is in the podcast description to get your free copy. On today's episode, we're talking with guest David Glazer from Colorado, who's a strength coach. He's a father and a podcaster as well. He's coming on the show to share his wisdom and recent breakup experience. He is a strong believer that our limiting beliefs hold us back from achieving what we truly want. And I second that. So after a couple of breakups that he experienced in 2017, uh, David set out on a mission to understand the patterns that were arising in his life to create deeper connections with men, partners, and family members. And today he's joining me here to share a part of his healing journey with you. So David, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, I know breakups are never an easy topic to approach, and I certainly wouldn't be the first person to raise my hand and talk about it on a podcast. So before we even dig into it, I want to thank you in advance for your vulnerability and your courage today. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, you're most welcome. So let's dive into it. Share with me. I mean, we connected on social. We've had a, a little bit of a conversation before bringing you here onto the show, Share with um, myself and with the audience what's recently been going on in your life. Yeah, I would say that this has been a, another opportunity for me to look at the pattern that shows up in my life. You know, this particular breakup in the last three or four weeks now has a lot of familiarity to those breakups in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, the pattern of a lot of people pleasing in the relationship um, struggling with boundaries as, as I'm sure a lot of people can understand or relate to, but what it came down to is one of those really firm boundaries that I have in my life was being crossed. And unfortunately I had to make the best decision for myself. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive into that. Okay. You said you noticed some patterns with how this relationship ended and your previous relationships. And I got a couple keywords there, boundaries being a big one what was cross there? What was the boundary? You know, the boundary specifically resembled the breakup a couple of years ago. So the first breakup in 2017, uh, you could call it codependent. You could call it trauma bonded, uh, both terms that I didn't know of at the time, which is, um, probably why we're speaking today is because I spent so much time on understanding what that, what that looks like in a relationship. But, Mm -hmm. You know, my birthday showed up in 2017 and this person that I had been seeing for about three and a half years, we were on the rocks. We were definitely on our way out. She asked me to go to lunch and 
I called her out on some behavior. You know, she had, she had been speaking to another guy and, um, mm. I knew about it and our lines were blurred, you know, our lines of like, yeah, well, are we exclusive or we're not living together anymore? You know? And I called her on that behavior and the conversation got very, very intense out in public too, you know? So, yeah, yeah. so it got to the point of she removed her shoe and she threw it hard enough for the heel to stick in the ground in public. She threw her shoe in, at you. Yeah. In public, you know, there's this really great downtown restaurant that we met at and it has a, a big wall of windows. And I can't even imagine what people having lunch were thinking as they're watching through these huge two-story windows. They're but probably I, thinking that you did something awful. <laughs> I, I look back on it today and I can chuckle a little bit. And in the moment, I can remember staying very grounded. And um, I can't use the word stoic because that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, I definitely know that being in public, being responsible was my number one goal. Okay, how can I, how can I receive this intensity from my partner at the time and not react? How can I respond in a healthy way? Mm. That's a tough thing to be trying to do in the middle of what would probably be a very heated moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a, with a shoe coming at you. Yeah. So what did you do? You know, um, I'm a jujitsu athlete and I've been training at this point now four and a half years and, and jujitsu for self-defense teaches us how to respond versus react in those moments. So, uh, instructors who guide us through what to do in those moments, they call it prayer hands. So you either fold your hands in front of you, you know, one over the top of the other, or you can make it straight into, um, prayer hands, you know, palms and fingers placed together right in front of your sternum. And this is a really non-assertive, okay, it can be assertive, but it's non-aggressive. It's not okay. going to result in somebody throwing a punch at you if you have what's called prayer hands. So I started there and then eventually I, uh, when I needed to set a firmer boundary, I just chose to you know, walk back to my car and separate myself from the situation. So, Okay, uh, so what, what I'm kind of imagining here in my mind is your partner at the time threw an object at you. I imagine a natural reaction would have been to move out of the way <laughs> or at least try. And, and then I'm hearing you kind of responded by like a, a calm stance and putting your hands together and then literally leaving. Mm, yeah, we were close enough together when the shoe came at me that, uh, you know, it, luckily it went between my feet and into the ground, but you know, it's, it's hard to, um, you know, physically move out of the way, uh, when you're okay. that close to each other. So, right. So you're saying to me that a, this is a pattern for you to date women that have actually gotten so flooded with emotions that they've thrown objects at you. Yeah. That would have been the second time in my life. My, my daughter's mom had the opportunity to, to throw a prescription bottle at me when we were still married. This is back in Oh shoot. It would have been 2003. Um, we were across the room from each other. Thankfully I was able to put my hands up and it didn't hit me in the face, but it certainly could have. So, um, yeah, I saw some opportunities there to, uh, to see the end in sight. We did, we didn't last much longer after that. I'd say, I mean, I think it's a pretty hard, uh, deal breaker for individuals when we're talking about any act of abuse here, whether it's throwing a prescription bottle or a shoe or anything, um, 
it's just not something that we can be tolerating in relationships because we're setting a standard if we do tolerate it, right? We're saying, hey, it's okay that you did that when mm-hmm. it's really not effing okay to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this previous relationship that ended a few weeks ago, um, do you believe, Dave, that you both contributed to the end of the relationship or what, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was just listening to uh, a couple of older gentlemen speak on this topic earlier today. You know, we could consider them elders or we could consider them mentors, but they're there to pour into us and, and take the opportunity to give their life experience to us, you know, 30, 40 years in advance. So I was listening to them describe uh, what a victim mindset sounds like. Mm-hmm. And you could probably imagine that I could, I could take a pretty firm victim mindset and blame my partners entirely for the situation. And that actually wouldn't serve me in the, in the long run. So what I can take ownership over in this particular case is, you know, playing a game with my partner and competing with her. That's generally not something that's, um, that's going to make my partner feel very grounded or myself feel very grounded in, in our relationship. You know, as we were discussing it afterwards, she would call it gloating. Um, competing you're saying. Yeah. I'm competing Mm -hmm. because we were playing a game at the time, you know, so, you know, keeping score in a relationship, maybe that's a little Uh, bit more accurate of like, okay, I'm one up over you and you're one down from me now. Yeah. And so of course I can take ownership over, over being playful in the moment, but certainly uh, having my partner receive it in a different way than was intended. Right. So what I'm kind of hearing here is like, there could be a, a million different situations where this would arise, but kind of like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get away with this behavior because you did that last time, mm. that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, oh, I get this free pass to treat you this way or act this way because last time you did that. And so now it's my turn. And the next time it's her turn. Is that what you're, you're getting at here? Oh, not necessarily. Um, ultimately what we are discussing that that's behind all of the behavior that comes out on the surface is like, what does our, what does our system or our, like our respond versus react in the moment Mm -hmm. come up with, like, we can either start shouting at one another, raise our voices, be very assertive or aggressive in our, in our conversation, or our reaction might be to throw an object. Yeah. Yep. And often that's happening when someone is incredibly flooded, right? Mm. They just, they don't have the capacity to be thinking logically anymore. So they may throw an object or they'll stonewall or walk out of the room because they almost feel like they have to escape what's going on or they're going to (laughs) explode. Right. Right. I've, I've definitely been, definitely can take ownership over opportunities in my, my past relationships of stonewalling my partner. Uh, that's, that's a pattern that I've had to work on personally yeah. so that I don't carry it with me in the future. Yeah. And that's tough. And like, for just for the, like the listener, stonewalling is not just like storming out of the room. It can be something subtle too. It can be like having a very vulnerable, important conversation. And then the individual you're talking to checks their phone or turns the TV back on mm-hmm. or like, you know, runs the water at, in the kitchen. So you can't hear the other person anymore. Like those little subtle things are really they're awful because the other person just doesn't feel like they're important in that moment that they're mm-hmm. being heard. 
And so it doesn't have to be something massive, like storming out of the room and shutting the door or leaving in your car it can be something little, little subtle things like that, where you're not giving the other individual your full attention in an important moment. It's tough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw myself just completely shutting down and going, yeah. um, going really non-expressive and not, not emotional at all in my facial expressions. Yeah. That's how I show up when I stonewall. Yeah. That, that's tough for sure for anybody, for you. Cause you're also experiencing what you're going through in that moment as well. So Dave, I'm curious, and maybe this is like a tougher thing to unpack with you, but I know it's really valuable to, to do it because so many people are having experiences of going through breakups and it's not easy, but I wrote down a word here as we were chatting, emotional cheating or, or in this situation, your partner was having communication with another man. Ah, okay. Yeah. What, what was going on there? Was this another, a relationship she had with this man that was exclusive? Did you know the person? Like what came about in this circumstance? Right. So why that's important to that breakup story is that um, we had history with this person. So uh, like I, like I was describing a, a trauma bond, sometimes those relationships can show up like breaking up and getting back together. And, and we had a period of, of a breakup about 10 months into our relationship. And then, and then she, um, she asked me if she could, you know, take me out to dinner and, and catch up like two or three months later. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had had enough time to heal from the first 10 months portion of the rest, uh, portion of the relationship. And so I said, yes, um, obviously that was an opportunity to set a boundary or to recognize some people pleasing behavior, but, mm-hmm. you know, I was taking a, I was taking a risk because I did miss her, but, you know, we show up at dinner and I'm coming straight from work. So I'm, I'm in my professional pajamas, like a strength coach would normally wear. And, uh, <laughs> she's dressed up and, uh, we leave dinner and I, I didn't have any emotions show up yet. I didn't, I didn't really have any feelings show up until, until she texted me and said, Hey, can, uh, can I come over to your place? I know you're coming, going straight home. I'd like to talk to you about something. Uh, so and after ha- dinner, you left yeah, af- and yeah, then after she dinner, came yeah. back over. Yeah. And then she asked if she could come over and talk to me and I'm like, Oh, well, my gut instinct says that she's going to tell me she's seeing somebody else. And, mm. and she comes over that night and she's like, oh, I want to try this again with you. And and yet I want to keep my options open, you know, like I heard that. I heard that exactly. That's what was going through my mind. And I told her, honestly, I said, you know, if we're going to try this again, it's going to be all in or nothing because, because that's just how I operate. I'm, well, I'm yeah, not going to have this square. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, you know, she left that night. Uh, I felt like we were really clear on that of like, Hey, I've told you the truth. Now it's your time to make a decision. Well, instead of going home, she went over to this person's place. Right. And as it turns out, she was seeing him. And that was the option that she wanted to keep open is to see me in and to see him still. So wow. she went to his place, slept with him, and then came over a few nights later uh, to kind of restart our relationship. And she admitted it. And, um, you know, I told her to leave and she kept begging to come back into my life and um, eventually I accepted her back into my life, uh, knowing that that was not in, in, in integrity or alignment with my, myself. And from that point on, it was, it was a big challenge for another couple of years. So fast forward to the day of the breakup or the day before the breakup, I was house sitting for, her and, 
and I asked her permission to use her Mac to edit some videos for work. And, and if you use a Mac, you can see iMessage movies pop up or iMessages pop up. Oh yeah. You know, that's right. That's I a have setting. it on my PC or my Mac here. Yeah. Right. It, it's so easy for us as business owners to have that there, but you know, as I'm editing these videos, I see the two of them talking. Oh and, no. And so I called her out on that the next day. When so this she is asked years later. I just, yeah, I, I want to get clear on your timeline. So it right. sounded like you were like together kind of 10 months and had a break. She starts kind of seeing this other guy. Then you guys decide to get back together. Now it's like a mm. year or two even later. Yeah. And you're then seeing messages between her and that individual from almost two years pre prior. Yeah. And I was, I was really shocked and um, wow. confronted her the next day. And that's what, that's what caused the, the, re throwing. the reaction of the shoe. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. And I know that you can't speak on behalf of your ex-partner, but I'm, I don't know why I'm even asking this question, but what, what do you think she was going through? What do you think this woman was experiencing to feel the need to be connected to you, to be connected to someone else? What do you think was going through her mind? Um, if, if I were to guess, and if I just took a stab in the dark, I, I feel as if, you know, fear of abandonment is there and, and a lot of insecurities about being good enough. Um, like just those needing are the, validation yeah. from more than one yeah. person. Yeah. yeah. Those are the limiting beliefs that you referred to in the intro that I see showing up in my own life of like, I'm not good enough. Um, I'll never be, or, mm. um, once I get this, I'll be enough, you know? And I think that's a human thing. It, it's not necessarily a man versus woman. It's a human limiting belief that's stored there. Mm. Yeah. That's tough. I guess I, I remember, I can't remember how long ago where I did a podcast on, I think I did it on emotional cheating and some of the reasons why um, we seek that closeness and intimacy, intimacy with someone else. But I talked about emotional cheating. I didn't talk about physical cheating, like actually meeting the individual to have sex with them. And it, mm -hmm. I don't know what was going on there in your relationship, but it sounded like there were multi-levels of it. Um, that's fucking tough. I'm sorry, because I'm just like experiencing my thoughts on that story you're telling me right now. And it's just, I'm, I've never had somebody cheat on me that I'm aware of. I can't even imagine how I would feel if that was the case. And the thoughts that would also go through my mind as well, not just having anger towards a person, but I imagine I would also be wondering what the hell I did wrong to choose a partner like that, to have contributed to it, you know, and I'm not saying those are the right thoughts to have, but it, they'd be the thoughts that would go through my mind. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's a lot to process there. And, and Dave, what do you think right now is the most, because this is pretty raw. So I just really appreciate you sharing all this because, you know, you, you split with this person like within the month or a month ago, which is not a very long time to be away from that um what do you think is the most important thing right now for your healing and your growth and what would you want to share to other men and or women that are experiencing the heart of a breakup right now right yeah that's a that's a really valid question i appreciate you asking i think that there are two things uh the first is in reflection to what you were just talking about 
of internalizing somebody else's choices. Yeah. Uh, I think that being aware of our tendency to do that uh, allows me to, to set boundaries with my own inner critic, my own, uh, my own self and not make their choices about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd certainly play my part in, in a relationship because it takes two people to create a relationship and then two people to destroy it basically. Mm-hmm. So I'll take my ownership of what I can. And I won't internalize what I, what I'm not responsible for. So I'm really grateful for the support of a couple of men's groups that I'm a part of and my counselor. But the second key piece of relationship recovery, breakup recovery is understanding what stage of grief that I'm in. Um, There's five that I'll refer to. So generally I, I go to denial pretty quick, like, oh, this can't be happening to me. And then I'll move to anger. Those are the first two stages that I've experienced recently is like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Um, And I'm so pissed that this is happening to me. Yeah. You know, and then moving on into like bargaining of like bargaining with clients and bargaining with um, my, my spiritual source, like God and saying, God, if you can get me through this, I'll just be a better person. I'll, I'll do this in the future, you know? Yeah. That's a tough place to be that, that place. Right. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all, every stage of grief is tough, but I, I can feel the emotions of that one. Mm. Yeah. That one's, that one's hard. Cause we, we can't compartmentalize, you know, like our relationships will impact our work and our relationships will impact our friendships and parenting and, yeah. and uh, coworker and family relationships. And then and then uh, recently, like last week, I saw depression show up like first thing in the morning, um, that fourth stage of grief of like, wow, I'm really lacking joy today. And I'm really sad um, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. You know, I, when I spoke to my counselor last week, I was telling him about the grief that I was experiencing. And he's like, Dave, I hear, I hear all of that. What I don't hear is I don't hear you talking about the loss. Mm. Like, what are you losing? you're, you're losing out on the conversation that you were talking about moving in together, or you're losing the companionship or you're losing the friendship and then the potential of the relationship in the future. And, uh, feeling his support and having his support last week was really imperative to move through that of like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I do feel a sense of loss, grieving, grieving what could have been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'll be the first one to tell you that I romanticize and fantasize about the future with my partner. And, you know, we can, we can get in the emotions of, well, what it's going to feel like when I move in with him. And that one day, if, you know, things are to, you know, we're getting married or have kids and like, that brings me joy, the thoughts of it. And if Mm -hmm. it were to end, and I would have to exactly deal with the fact that I am losing out on the future dream that we often want for ourselves. And that Mm -hmm. sucks. Like there's no other way to put it. It just sucks to have to go through that, but you have to go through it. And I think it's really important to recognize that that is what you're going through. It's really hard to name our emotions. It's really hard to name what we're actually going through. It's a heck of a lot easier to push it down and ignore it and Mm -hmm. pretend that we're okay. And I'll be the first to admit that in any breakup I've ever gone through, 
I said to everybody that I was totally fine. Like, no, I'm fine. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I've already processed it. It's been coming for a while. Like I'm, I'm going to be okay. Uh, no, I was not. Right. (laughs) Right. And, and it's, and it's okay to, uh, to put the label on it. Um, uh, I really appreciated, uh, spending a weekend in the mountains with, uh, one of my guy group friends, you know, from church and, and they're like, Dave, how you doing? And it was my opportunity to be really honest and to confess what I was going through and, uh, feeling their support and hearing their stories that were similar to my own, just like, wow, that was really comforting and, uh, really helped me, uh, to move forward. Yeah. So what I'm really hearing when I ask that question, what's kind of the most important thing for your healing and growth, it sounds like support from healthy individuals, whether Mm -hmm. that's a men's group or it's church or it's a counselor or it's a coach, or it's even a trusted friend or all of the above, (laughs) or all of them. I'd say I would do all of them. (laughs) I'll take all the help I can get because it's Mm -hmm. not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It's me saying I have shit to deal with and I want to deal with it in the most Uh, mature way possible so I can heal in the most mature way possible so that I can open myself up to what I truly want, which is a genuine, loving, compatible relationship. Yeah. Without those limiting beliefs and patterns showing back up again and again and again. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I just recently realized, not recently, but I realized my pattern in dating and it, it is like, Oh, wow. It's so clear when you actually spend time reflecting on it. And I'm at that phase right now where I've recognized my pattern and I'm breaking it right now and I'm forming new Mm -hmm. habits and changing the old way that I thought about relationships and getting rid of really toxic beliefs that I had that were really, really hurtful. And I don't know where I picked those things up. It Mm. must've been from the movies. It must've been from other friends that I, you know, watched in relationships. I like and you know what? I have parents that have been married for over 35 years. They have a relatively healthy relationship. <laughs> you know, they're, they're intimate. They love each other. They do nice things for one another, but it's far from perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think I see things like criticism there. And I adopted a lot of criticism in my relationships where, and even things like contempt, where when uh, I had this like, thought that like in conflict that I was better than them, which is awful. And we know contempt is one of the number one predictors of marital divorce. When you believe that you're above your partner, it's just a no go. We can't Mm -hmm. be believing that we're better than the other person. It's just a really unhealthy belief to have. But I remember having that or thinking like, oh my God, they're doing this so silly or why can't they be smarter in this area? And it was just a really negative mindset to have. Where it came from, I don't know, Hmm. but I recognize it. And it was kind of shitty to have to say to myself, like, I have these traits in relationships. Like, that doesn't mean that I'm an awful person. doesn't mean that I didn't have amazing relationships and have great highs and lots of vulnerability and intimacy. But I recognize that one of the things that I needed to stop doing was be critical of the other person. And let's be real. It was a projection of me feeling critical about myself, right? Yeah, I can relate to that so much. Yeah. Like we're often, we're doing the best we can given the information we have and the resources we have at the time. But if we're feeling hurt, well, hurt people hurt other people. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to move to talk a little bit about 
this polarity. I've been talking about masculine feminine energy a little bit in recent podcasts. I've shared posts on it. Um, I think it's really important uh, for people to fully understand this. And I know that you're learning to embody your masculine energy. Um, what do you mean specifically when you say that? How are you stepping into your masculine energy? Oh, I love this question. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Um, it definitely comes down to feeling like um, you, you mentioned stuffing down our emotions earlier and suppressing our emotions earlier. And that's the opposite of embodying our masculinity. Um, to me, masculinity is not without emotion. What it truly comes down to is feeling the emotion. And then the decisions that come on after that are not made from that emotional place. Okay. Go on. Um, how, <laughs> uh, how I've gotten to that place is through a lot of disciplines and practices in my life. Um, I began with jujitsu, like I said, but long mm -hmm. before that, long before that, um, weightlifting was actually my first exposure to an embodiment practice. Yeah. It's probably the one that I've, I've had as a discipline in my life for the longest, um, you know, power cleans, clean and jerk and the snatch have always been pushing me to my edge. That helps me realize that I'm so capable. I am mm -hmm. so strong and I am so, um, powerful when I assert myself in the, in the weight room. And then yeah. those, all of those translated to a jujitsu practice, which eventually led to journaling and eventually led to meditation and breath work. Yeah. All, yeah. All of those daily disciplines, plus a little bit of, a little bit of time set aside for daily reading, all of those disciplines helped me embody that masculine energy that, that helps me stay grounded and responding mm -hmm. versus reacting. Yeah. Being able to, to stay grounded is so important. And I think it, for men, it doesn't have to be, I always say like getting to the gym and like pushing your body is an amazing way to tap into that masculine energy, to make yourself feel like you're an effing warrior, right. Mm -hmm. Just to know that you can tear the world apart, but also have the ability to not do that. Do you know what I mean? To know that you're right. capable, but to be able to resist it, to be able to stay grounded. And so whether it's getting to the gym and pushing your body or anything else that makes you feel passionate, find it, adopt it mm -hmm. and do it. Because I do work with a lot of men that are feeling really lost in life. They're wanting a partner and I'll be the first to say, are you wanting a partner right now to fill the void that is not being filled in the rest of your life right now? What are you passionate about? What gets you up in the morning? What do you want to focus on? You know, and I know that purpose is one of those kind of, it can be a debated. We all have to have a purpose in life. It can be a little fluffy. Well, what the heck does that mean? You know, is my purpose mm -hmm. just to be a good person or is my purpose to be a, the best weightlifter in the world? Or for me, I don't care what you choose. Just choose something to do, to focus on, to embody, to work on right now for me, that's my business. That's being the best girlfriend I can be. It's being the best friend I can be. It's also working really hard at a new skill 
which just so happens that my partner is loving and adoring is golf. Like we love it. We love Mm, getting better at it. We're both starting this sport in our adult lives. And I can see in my partner, this passion and desire to like be as good as he possibly can be. And I see it in such a short amount of time. And it, I'll be the first to say it makes me feel really attracted to him because he's working really hard. He does that in his personal job as well, but I see that he's pushing to improve in something. And I love that. It's an attractive Mm. quality to women. Yeah. Yeah. And there's hardly a sport out there more confronting than golf. Totally. If you want (laughs) to get into something in your adult life where you're not only going to be physically challenged because you need good rotational capability, Um, Mm. but you want the biggest mindset challenge you're ever going to have in your life, pick up golf and don't say you heard it here. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's true. Um, that really, that really resonates with me. There was a couple years ago where I was competing in jujitsu quite a bit, you know, uh, twice as a white belt, twice as a blue belt. And I was prioritizing jujitsu four or five, maybe six classes a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when I was sharing my passion for the sport and inviting uh, the, the partner I had at the time to join me, Hey, come to the, I'd love to have you come to the, to the competition this Saturday. Is that something you're interested in? And it was very confronting in our relationship to have something I was so passionate about, not dominate, not take over my time. But it certainly was a priority um, mm-hmm. that helped me feel that masculine energy that helped me stay grounded when con- uh, conflict came up. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the main benefits of jujitsu, training it consistently and putting it into practice is I train jujitsu so that I don't have to use it. Totally. And that refers back to being a danger, but not not being dangerous. Yeah. I think Jordan Peterson actually says that there's a quote and I'm going to misquote it, but he says, um, know that you're a monster, but know how to control it or something like that. Like be, be a monster, but know how to control it. Right. Right. Yeah. That word control is, Mm -hmm. is, is a challenge for men. I feel, Yeah. you know, control versus power. That's a really good conversation to, to relate to the masculine, mm-hmm. uh, from my perspective is there's so many things out of my control. What is in my control is how I respond. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's what Jordan Peterson is talking about when he talks about the monster. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's, he's basically in his way saying, learn to be grounded. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Learn to control the way you react to situations. You're not going to be able to stop yourself from feeling what you feel. Mm-hmm. Right. But how you choose to respond and how you choose to react. And it's tough when we're having conflict, when we're heated, when we feel like we've been cheated, lied, or, you know, hurt by someone. It is not easy to choose how we respond, but it's something that we should all actively be working on because, mm-hmm. you know, conflict and how you resolve it in an intimate relationship and a friendship at work. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's either going to save the relationship and make it stronger, or it's going to be the start of the demise. Right. Yeah. So true. And 
the way that we respond to certain situations is a great reflection for us to, to look inward and say, man, I, th- I thought I was embodied in my masculine energy, but mm-hmm. the way that I responded or reacted in that situation tells me otherwise. And yeah, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to check in with my alignment and my integrity with who I want to be. And I also would like argue to say, this does not mean that we shouldn't be allowed to express things like anger. I don't mm. think either of us are saying no. you need to mm. be grounded and calm and collect it all of the time. Right. I mean, that's obviously yeah, that healthy. Yeah. yeah. So that it's would like, be the definition of suppressing, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I know yeah. that it might be misinterpreted when we're saying like, can, you know, control your reactions or learn to respond in a healthy way. It doesn't mean that there are times when we can't express anger or our frustration. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say yeah. on the golf course, I definitely <laughs> can express anger and frustration, but do I take it as far as throwing my club in the river? No, I don't. Do I see people doing that? Yeah. Do I laugh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, been, I've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, I'm frustrated. I might feel angry at something and that's okay. It's healthy to let it out in a safe way. Um, but yeah, there are times to remain grounded and remain calm. And, uh, and to learn to deal with that. So there is so much good stuff here, Dave. I've really mm-hmm. enjoyed chatting with you about all of this. And I know that, you know, you're into a lot of this work as well um, on both fronts, on the kind of uh, strength coaching side of things, um, on supporting people as well in their relationships. You've got a podcast as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So tell people, you know, if they're interested to learn more about you and what you do, where can they find you? How do they reach out to you? Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. The, the challenger podcast on Instagram is probably the best place to reach me. Uh, it's where I spend most of my time on social media. Some days it's too much. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, the podcast is the same name, the challenger podcast, where we dig into self-awareness through attachment theory, the Enneagram and leadership. Yeah. All amazing topics. People don't know. I, I talked about the Enneagram on a podcast before I think I did with Daniel Moody. Um, I think it's amazing for people to go and learn a little bit about themselves. So if you want to learn about that, reach out to Dave. And uh, yeah, I just thanks. want to take the time to thank you so much for coming on the show, for being so open and vulnerable to go through the recent experience that you just had. I know that's going to be really helpful for people that are struggling to get over partners that are going through breakups. Um, and the way you came on and just talked about it with such poise and groundedness was, it was just really lovely to be able to chat with you here, Dave. So thank you very much. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Ciao.